Wow, this is a big group. This is nice. Um, anyways, the food was great, and uh, the company was better, and I'm glad that I'm here. I've, I've had the chance to be here, I think, maybe a half a dozen times over the last year, year and a half. And, uh, and it's great to be here, especially with my friend Pat. You know, uh, Pat and I, I was driving back from Chicago one time, and she needed a ride, so I gave her a ride, and we went all the way to California together. And, uh, and she turned out living down the street from me, so it was even better, you know. So, so it's all worked out pretty darn good, you know. But uh, Pat and I are brother and sister from a different mother and a different mister, you know. So uh, I'm really grateful that she's in my life, you know. She's a... She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. I know my uh, my kids, and especially my grandchildren, love her. You know, so you guys are going to get a chance to hear a little bit about her story tonight. You know, that's great. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous has just given me a wonderful life. I hope the new people that are here tonight, the newcomers and the 30-day people that took chips, I hope you find here what I found here. It took me a while to find what I was looking for, but eventually I found it. And I, you know what, the way I feel every day is I can't get enough of Alcoholics Anonymous and I can't give enough to Alcoholics Anonymous. I just want to be in Alcoholics Anonymous as much as I possibly can for the rest of my life. You know, and, and that's my, uh, that's not too bad of a goal for a guy that used to think he was going to be at the top of the mountain and the president of this, that, and the other and all those other things, you know, and now I'm doing this, you know, and I really love it. I love AA. My wife's in Al-Anon, and uh, she's been in Al-Anon about 37 years, and um, so I don't get away with anything in that house. And she's right. It is his fault. <laughs> My sponsor used to say that to Bell all the time. She said, it's his fault, so blame him, you know. Anyways, um, you know, I still, just like everybody here, I started drinking probably when, you know, when I was a teenager, and uh, and just kept on drinking and there was nothing great you know about my drinking I didn't get in too much trouble really I mean I created a lot of problems and uh, you know I went to work for a large company after I got out of college and, and it seemed to me the culture of that company was pretty uh, pretty well uh, immersed in alcohol you know and so everybody seemed to drink and, uh, and I was a salesman for that company and loved it I worked there for 20 years before I started drinking differently than they drank and then they wanted me to go elsewhere and thrive, you know. But, uh, but you know, it, it was a good it was a good job that I had there, you know. And uh, and I guess my story really begins in 1987. It was in 1987 that I came into Alcoholics Anonymous for the first time. And I guess I could tell you this is what it was like, what I was doing in 1987. Okay, in 1987, I had pretty much drunk through an entire a beautiful, wonderful marriage. You know, my wife was done with me. She told me, she said, I need you to move out of here. The reason you need to move out of here is because I'm afraid of you and our children are afraid of you. And she wasn't kidding. When I'd come home from work, those kids didn't know who was walking through the door at night. They'd go run and hide, you know? And uh, they'd come out only if there wasn't a fight going on and there often there was some sort of a fight that would happen, that something I instigated. And it was just chaos in our house. It was dark, it was vulgar, it was violent. You know, it was, uh, you know, what I've heard the same story often from the podium over and over again. It just, a, it was not a good place. It was an alcoholic home. Alcoholism had us in its grip very deeply. Um, I was in trouble at work. 
that boss of mine had told me, you show up here hungover and smelling of booze one more time, you're gone. You show up on another sales call the way you did last week, it was told to me, and you are gone. You know, and he was giving me warnings like that, and I was like, sure, whatever. You know, and just blowing it off and, uh, you know, and, and managing to, you know, I knew how to turn it on and be good for a while is what I knew how to do pretty good. And, uh, and I'd turn it on and I would produce and, you know, and then the next time would roll around and it'd be the same set of warnings, you know, and, and, uh, but nothing ever really bad came of it, you know. I had no friends to speak of. I was cut off from society in every possible way. I had no interests, no nothing, you know, and, uh, and so now I'm out of the house and I'm thinking, what the heck am I going to do, you know? And when I left that house, I left just like a good old selfish alcoholic would leave. I thought, well, thank God that's over with, you know. And uh, but it only lasted a couple of weeks, and I wanted to go home, you know. And uh, and I thought, you know what? My grandfather got sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. Maybe I'll give them a call and see what'll happen. So I did, and uh, and I went to AA for the first time, and I got involved in AA pretty quickly. I got a sponsor the first night I went to AA. I asked the man sitting next to me, a guy named Bill S., to be my sponsor. You know, it was a step study that I attended. And they said there was a, there was a big book available to buy, or a 12 and 12 also to buy at the end of the meeting. So I marched right up there because I have to have all of the books, you know. And, uh, and so I went up there and I got what I needed, you know. And then I met a guy that uh, he actually knew me from business world and he came up to me and he says, where are you going tomorrow night? And I had no plan of going anywhere tomorrow night. I thought, I well, I just went to the meeting, you know. And uh, he said, no, no. He goes, we usually go to meetings most nights of the week. He goes, so here's, uh, here's a list. He had a, pulled out one of the old directories and gave me a list of meetings to go to. And uh, so I started going to meetings. I started meeting other guys and I started doing the thing that we do around here. You know, I got really involved. I got commitments at other meetings. I got involved with you know, wonderful things like this, you know, where we go to a park and have a meeting or, you know, we go to play softball and campouts and uh, helping people move and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I got really, really involved. But in retrospect, I know today it was a problem because the fellowship is only a part of our program, you know, and I can live on the fellowship only up to a certain point. And what happened to me was about five years into this thing, I was living on the fellowship and I wasn't, I didn't have a program. I had no spiritual program whatsoever. I wasn't working any steps. My sponsor would talk to me a little bit about it and I'd just shun him on, you know. And uh, I wasn't taking anything into my home, you know. And what happened eventually in 1994, my wife said to me, you need to leave this house. We're afraid of you again, you know. And I was stone cold sober. Absolutely, stone cold. So I hadn't had a drink in seven years. Not anything that affected me from the head up. Because I believed in that stuff. But I didn't know how to behave. I didn't know how to act as a sober man ought to act. And so I got kicked out of the house again. At work, there were no more warnings. I got fired from that job. And that was a 20-year career at a great company and went up and smoked in an instant. You know, one more time I found myself cut off from everybody in AA, everybody in society, everybody. I had no friends, no nothing. You know, and I was miserable again. And I groused around for a little bit trying to figure out what I'm going to do. You know, I tried church. I tried psychiatry. I tried books. I tried all kinds of stuff. 
nothing really seemed to work. But then I thought, you know what, AA seemed to work for me once before. Maybe I should go back there and try that. And I went back to a meeting. And when I walked into the meeting, as I was walking up the steps of the meeting, I swear to God, I thought that lady said to me, well, God Almighty, are you still sober? Welcome. <laughs> nice to see you again. Look what the cat drug in, everybody. That's what I thought I heard her say. What she actually said is, hey, Steve, how are you? That's what she said. You know, and I walked into that meeting and I was just calling. It was, it was on my seventh, eight, what would have been my seventh AA birthday. It was September the 11th of 1994. And I was going to get take a cake that night and tell all you fine people how wonderful my life was, you know, and just lie. And I sat there thinking to myself, what a fraud I am, what a cheat I am, what a, I'm just miserable, just felt horrible about myself, you know, and I couldn't stay. And so I bolted out of that meeting. And as my sponsor told me the next day, he said, you did the only normal, natural thing that an alcoholic knows how to do when you get yourself into a fix like that. I went out and got drunk. And that's how I celebrated my seventh AA birthday. I got drunk. You know, but that man who told me that he had been calling me almost every week, sometimes multiple times during the week for the preceding year, year and a half. And just uh, just want to check in with you, Steve. How are you doing? What's going on with you? Haven't seen you around. Anything I can do for you? That kind of thing that we like to do with people that wander away in the passing parade, you know, and I was rude to him. I tell him, why don't you go talk to somebody who wants to hear your voice? Leave me alone, you know. And he just persisted. He stayed with it and it just kept on calling me, you know. And, uh, and then when I went out, he was the only contact I had. He was the only connection between me and the rest of the world. Other than that, I was going crazy. I was at that jumping off place and I knew it, you know. And, uh, and so I called Tommy, you know, and I said, I think I'm in trouble. And he goes, oh, I know you are. He goes, do you own a big book? And I said, yeah, I do. And he goes, well, why don't you bring it on over and we'll sit down and we'll start reading and talk. And I said, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And that's what I did. You know, and uh, he asked me, he said to me when I got there, he said, have you ever read that book? And I said, well, I've glanced at it. You know, I've looked at the, you know, I've looked at this page over here and read this story over there. And he said, no, I mean, have you ever read it? Have you ever studied it? Have you ever gone through it? Because the... The precise directions and what we need to do to stay sober, to get sober and stay sober, are written right there for you. All you need to do is open that book. He goes, let's open it up together and start reading. And that's what we did, you know. And we started doing this thing, and it was a completely different experience for me, you know. I can't get into all of it. I don't have enough time to talk about all that. But I'll tell you what, the most important thing he did that day was he handed me God. He gave me God. And as such, I believe this, he saved my life by doing that, you know? And, uh, and the, rest is just, is, the rest of my sobriety has been me searching for that power greater than myself and trying to develop that relationship and, uh, and, and just trying to be a good member of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know? My, my birthday, my sobriety birthday is September the 12th of 1994 so I was a cheap drunk I went out one night you know and uh and then got sober the beginning of the next day so I just celebrated 29 years about a month or so ago and I'm, I'm very very grateful for that you know you know that marriage that looked like it was collapsing and falling apart completely in fact she was divorcing me you know and uh we're 
We're going to celebrate 50 years next year. I know we don't front anybody, but I'm pretty proud about that, you know. And uh, I had a daughter that told me right before I got drunk she, and before I got kicked out of that house, she said, you know what, Dad, I'll turn 18 next year. When I do, I'll be a legal adult and you'll never see me again. And she was pretty sincere about that. It wasn't until about 10 years ago that she actually came back into my life, you know, and we've got a pretty good, matter of fact, she's over at my house right now, you know, and spending the weekend with us, you know. Um, I've got seven beautiful grandchildren, you know, two other daughters. We all have a great relationship. One of those grandkids is playing in a, what do you call it, CIF, playing in a CIF championship. They're, in like, they're going into round three. You know, it's this improbable story. They're not supposed to have made it this far. But he's in round three of this water polo deal, and they're going up to Santa Barbara tomorrow morning to play this match, and I'm going up there with them, you know, and I want to see them doing it. I want to be part of that, you know. I could have missed this whole thing. All that stuff I could have missed, you know, and, uh, and I'm so grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous and that guy that called me and stayed in touch with me, you know. I'll tell you this, on December the 3rd, at my house, out in the driveway for the second year, so it's our second annual uh, uh, concert, where you got a group of people, all, one of them's an AA, they're going to be playing Christmas music out in the driveway, and what we've been doing is we've been putting out hot chocolate and cider and coffee and bring a chair, it's kind of like this kind of a gathering, just bring a chair, sit down and enjoy the music, and uh, you're all invited. You know, if you're interested, let me know, and I'll text you my address. You know, my wife would love it if you all showed up, I can tell you. But, uh, <laughs> well, sort of she would, you know, but I, I'd love it if you did, too, you know. Anyways, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I like I said, I can't give back enough, you know. I, I, I sponsor a couple of guys. I, uh, I'm a GSR at a meeting, you know, in, in my home group. Uh, you know, I'm active. I got commitments at every meeting that I go to. I've been dragging Pat around for a year saying, hey, let's go to this meeting. I'm going to go to this meeting. You want to go with me? And she'll go, yeah. And then she'll get there and find out that I've arranged for her to be a 10-minute speaker or a main speaker, you know. So she said to me, you know, what, about two months ago, she says, hey, guess what? Les asked me to be the main speaker at that meeting. I go, well, that's great. I said, I'll drive you out there. And she goes, that's good because you're the 10-minute speaker. <laughs> so anyways, if you're new here tonight, if you're just kind of hanging on, I'm going to tell you what, those 12 steps of recovery, that's the other thing. That's what our book tells us. If our common problem, you know, our common dilemma, I think is what they called it, if that was enough, if that was sufficient, you know, it would have worked, but it doesn't. It's the spiritual angle in this program. It's those 12 steps of recovery. That's the thing that binds me to you and keeps me coming back. And I, and I hope that all of you get that in your own way and get that in your own life. So thank you for letting me share. Well, what an honor I get to introduce my sister. So your main spirit tonight is Pat C. Pat, come on up. Good evening. My name is Pat and I'm an alcoholic. I like to thank God for another day clean and sober. And for every day Pat don't pick up, she's being restored. 
You know, um, man, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be anywhere alive and sober today. I was talking to a member earlier, and we were just going through some of the escapades we went through, and whew, I know. I was born 1949. I'm a baby boomer, you know, and um, and I came into the when I came into the world, I'm everybody was drinking, you know. I just everybody in my household drank. Everybody in the neighborhood drank, you know. It was just a part of life. As a kid growing up, you know, I would open up the, it would get real hot and humid. I'm from Chicago, Illinois, and it gets hot and humid in the summertime. And I, I can remember raising up the window and I could hear Uncle James next door screaming, Josie, get these little green men off of me. <laughs> and I went, hmm, you know. <laughs> And then, um, you know, and growing up, um, growing up, um, I went to a Catholic school and uh, mass was in Latin. I went to uh, Our Lady of Perpetual Pain, you know. And uh, when they got through with me, I wanted nothing to do with God, church, saints, the devil, or nothing. I, I I never wanted to go inside a church again. I had had enough, and um, and and I and I remember at thirteen, you know, I was kind of I was kind of a disobedient kid because um, number one, I was a loner. My mom my mom had two kids, only had two kids, and were five years apart. So I spent a lot of time alone. And I used to get a lot of whippings and as a kid, a lot of whippings. And it was always, go to your room. Go to your room. was the answer for everything. Go to your room. You know, and I would, you know. Even to this day, I still go to my room, you know. <laughs> and, um, but uh, I discovered alcohol at the age of 15. I discovered alcohol. I called it the... You know, in Catholic school, they had the Holy Trinity. I called it the unholy Trinity. I, you know, there was the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Well, I discovered uh, alcohol, sex, and cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I said, oh, this is the secret they've been keeping from me. This is what they didn't want me to know. And once I discovered those three things, I was, it was hell to pay. I was no longer somebody you could talk to, or or I was I wasn't listening. I'm gonna do my own thing, and um, I got in a lot of trouble. You know, I got in a lot of trouble. I did pretty much what I wanted to do. I can remember my mom trying to give me uh, a curfew to come in to, in the house. You know, be in be be in this house by ten o'clock. And I said, well, let me get this straight. You want me to leave the group and walk home in the night by myself just and be in danger just so I could be in the house by 10 rather than leave with the group at whatever time they're leaving and come home safely. 
is that it? And she'd stand there, I knew I had her. That's the kind of person I was. I was out the door, you know. I always had a smart remark or smile. I was always thinking. I was always thinking. Pat had ideas. I had ideas, you know. And um, I got, because uh, I grew up in the street. I don't know if you know, but, you know, they do lottery out here. Well, before there was lottery in my neighborhood, it was called policy. I grew up with policy. My grandmother was the lady that everybody came. You know, it was like, tell your mother, tell your grandmother uh, the number is, uh, I had a dream about a dog last night and blah, 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 you know. And I used to run and give my grandmother these numbers. You know, I didn't know it was illegal. <laughs> Nobody told me it was illegal, you know. But this is what I used to do, run numbers for my grandmother. I grew up like that. I grew up learning public transportation early. I was a little girl that needed protection that had none. And I was out in the street early in life, experiencing life early early and by and and choosing alcohol at a young age you know nobody could tell me anything by 20 something i was smoking i had weed i had black lights i had you know i had all the paraphernalia you know and 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 to me it was wonderful it was the best you know the the rock music that came out and god jesus you know in the 68, there was a civil rights movement. Everybody was marching. I found a white boy, and he had the best weed in town. And, man, we were smoking up a storm. Shit, what the hell is the matter? I couldn't figure it out. I always found, I found peace. Wasn't everybody, you weren't you at? <laughs> you know, I always had something. I had... You know, and, and um, Chicago had Skid Row. You didn't have Skid Row, but Chicago had Skid Row. And I could take the bus down Madison Street because I deliberately went to Madison so I could look at the alcoholics. So if I ever started looking like that, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> I had to have a backup plan because I was doing the wrong thing. I knew I was doing the wrong thing, and I had to have a backup plan to save myself. You know, so I would go down there and I would stare out the window, not stare, stare, stare. I remember one guy mooned me out staring so hard. <laughs> but one thing, of you know, so, and I got caught up and then finally I remembered, you know, my dad didn't want me to be an alcoholic. You know, I used to drink a lot of wine and he didn't want me to be a wine head like his sister. So he went out and bought me a fifth of scotch. Man, I love my dad, you know? <laughs> I didn't like scotch, but I loved it. I, you know, hey, this is the way to go. And uh, one thing he always told me, he would say, Patsy, never let anybody give you any poison. If you're going to do this, he said, you know, you know, die by your own hand. Don't let nobody kill you. And I get that pretty much saved my life, you know? And uh, I'd be out in the street doing everything I was big enough to do. You name it, you know, I smoked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went through the, the LSD. I went through the masculine. I went through the heroin, cocaine. But see, one thing I couldn't keep track of while I was doing all, and the reason why I kept switching is I didn't want to get addicted. 
So I can see I'm staying on top of the game. I ain't gonna get caught up like these squares out here. I ain't get caught up. Pat had a plan. <laughs> Boy, I never saw this. Every time, no matter what drug I used, it was alcohol. And I never, and I never bothered to think about the alcohol. Never, you know. But it was always there. It was always a part of my life. And um, as you know, I got married at 18. I had I had a son. I, you know, and um. One of the, you know, I married an alcoholic, you wonder why. But I married an alcoholic, and I remember, this is sad, I remember I got sober for a minute in the marriage. And I looked up and I realized I didn't like him. <laughs> it's like, damn. I didn't, I didn't like the man sober. It's like, well, what am I going to do now? I'm married to him, so I had to stay drunk. That made sense to me, you know. It's like, look at what you've done to yourself now, you know. Never living by the rules. Always doing what I was big enough to do, you know. And and I have to say, I didn't suffer too many consequences until toward the end. I finally left my marriage. I got kicked out of the marriage. I followed my husband overseas. He was in the Marine Corps. And, you know, we got into it. We were living over in Japan, and we got into it, and I got kicked out of a foreign country, you know. <sighs> you know, but, 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 you know, I kept moving right along. And, and what I didn't see is that my drinking was progressing. My drinking was progressing to the point I got into this relationship, and it was real sick. It was real twisted. It was real violent. And... I knew it was sick. I knew it was twisted. And I knew it was violent. And I knew I shouldn't have been in it. And no matter what my rational mind thought, I stayed in it. And that drove me crazy. I couldn't. Any other time I've been able to get out of something, for the first time I was in something I couldn't get out of. So I tried suicide. That's the only way I thought I could get out. <laughs> and lo and behold, what the hell happened? The emergency room saved me. You know, I was telling the guy, I said, you know, I remember the day I took all those pills. I'm trying to get out. And my life is a mess. It's a mess. It's, everything is a mess. And so I take all these pills and, you know, I'm there. I see God. I see God. He's happy to see me and I'm happy to see him. And I know I'm there because I can feel all this peace. And he said, Pat, you got to go back. I went, what? I said, whoa. I said, wait a minute. I said, hold it. I said, have you seen what's happening down there? I said, they down there smoking crack and they doing this. I started telling on y'all. I told everything I knew. I said, please don't sit me back down there, you know. And before you knew it, I was seeing all these sparkles and butter da 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 and when the clarity came through I realized I was in the emergency room and you know, I had all this black crap around my mouth and it was like the first words out of my mouth was God damn it I'm back here I'm back here and I would live the life of an alcoholic for another three years why? because I would not get honest 
I would not get honest. And finally, my life ended. The, 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 the part of me that used ended in, in my bedroom, in my room, <laughs> on the floor, in a fetal position, wrapped in a whole lot of pain, emotionally, physically, mentally, you name it. I was in torment. And I heard a voice say, how long can you stand the pain, Pat? Are you masochistic? I didn't want to answer that question because I was scared. I was, to be honest with you, because I was in that much pain. And I finally screamed, God, help me. Forty-eight hours later, I would be in my first AA meeting, shaking, scared, and mad. You know, and I sat in those rooms, and I sat in those rooms, and I listened, and you, t and then, you know, you were talking about God. I didn't want to hear about God because I didn't was, I was, I felt I was doomed. I, you know, I felt I had signed and gave away my soul. I'm to God, but and I remember somebody walking up to me and said, "How much would you pay for a book that would save your life?" And I said. It ain't that much money in the world. I wouldn't be able to afford it. And he threw a big book in my lap and left. And that book has truly saved my life. Now, mind you, when I first started reading the big book, I saw all the differences. I saw all the he's and the this and the that. I saw all the differences. So in order to to take the big book in, I changed all the he's to she's. I did. I literally, I changed all the he's to she's. Because, you know, because I, I was mad when one of my resentments was men. I'm like, that's all about men. That's all you ever hear about men, 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 men. That's Bible, men. And I even asked God, what the hell you make them for? You know. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because the... <laughs> God is funny, because let me tell you what he did to me. Do you know, I went to a lot of meetings where I was the only woman there. I'd look up, and it, I, I'd be the only woman. It's like, is this a man's meeting? Nope. You in it. And I would look at all these men, and it's like, <laughs> you know, and I, finally, I got to the point I began to like you all. You know, you're not so bad, you know. And, um, and the more I began to stay in the meeting, the more I began to recognize that I had a problem. <laughs> I began to hear you. And when I heard you, I was identifying what was going on. I saw me. And I can remember, honestly, God, I can remember the willingness of wanting to get a sponsor. Because I wasn't going to get one. Yeah, I get a what? You have I, I, that was my attitude. Get a what? Uh, what? You want me to get another dope thing to tell me what to do? You got to be kidding me! <laughs> a whole lot had to change about me, you know. You know, but I became willing. And they had to say, women get women, men get men. But I tried, ladies. I tried. I honestly, God went through five women, you know. <clears throat> Went through five. 
and uh, you know, we almost got into it. You know, this, this ain't working. But I finally found a guy that I would go to his meeting and I could hear him. And every time he, 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 he talked, I felt at peace. And I finally walked up to this guy's name was Grateful Sam, and he would be my sponsor. And I would say, to him, you know what, Sam? I said, you know what I like about you? I said, every time you talk, I feel like I'm on good dope. <laughs> That's how I can equate to everything. Uh, and I'm at peace. You fight good heroin, you know. Shit. And he, and he would just crack up. You know, and then he, you know, he began to work with me. And I remember him telling me about, Pat, I want you to get rid of everything you know, everything you think you know, and the God you serve too. He said, because you're scared of him. I said, how you know? And we started working. We started working. And I remember the day he said, you know, we're getting ready. You're getting ready to write your fourth step. And, and because he was a man, you know, I, just, I understood the concept on why they wanted to keep men from women. So I did, you know, I kept phone conversations with Sam and I kept like a respectable distance. I understood why, you know. So Sam mailed me my four-step papers and I'm, I kid you not it was almost a telephone book thick full of resentment sheets so I asked so I get him I said what the hell he sent me all these resentment sheets for you know so uh, okay okay I threw my hands up I said don't ask me any questions Pat just do it so I remember sitting down at the kitchen table and I said the third step prayer, because he always told me, Sam told me, invite God into everything I do. Invite God into everything I do. Everything I'm doing is a spiritual step, so invite my higher power into everything I do. So I sat at that table. I said, all right, God, help me write this fourth step. Do you know I ran out of resentment papers? <laughs> all those papers he said, I, and, and when I got through writing, I was like, Damn, you mean to tell me I was that mad? <clears throat> I couldn't get over it, the stuff that it came out of me, you know. And it would be the beginning of me feeling a peace that I had never known before. It would be the beginning of me being able to sleep without nightmares. Because I don't know about you. I... I could not sleep at one time without nightmares. It almost ran, it ran, no, it did run me into the nut house. They don't have nut houses anymore. But trust me, I was there wrapped real tight, you know. <laughs> and that's why I love the second step. <laughs> Came to believe that the power greater yourself can restore you to sanity. In order to be restored to sanity, you gotta be crazy to begin with. And I remember going, when I first read that step, I remember reading it and looking at it. And, and the word restore was, it, 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 the word was in red for me. And, I, and that's when the lights went on. I was like, oh, in order to be, you know, I said, oh, that's why I was in front of the psychiatrist's office. Oh, that's why I kept seeing the psychologist. Oh, 
that's why they put me in, in the nut house. Oh, you know, and another thing, too, of dishonesty. Oh, God, you know, you don't know how much you become a liar being an alcoholic. And I, you know, and I learned to tell the truth. I learned to tell the truth about what was going on with me. I even was able to get rid of call waiting because I began to pay my bills on time. I didn't need call waiting anymore. A lot of things I just began to do. I started paying my, I paid my rent on time. I started doing things that's like, uh, and then all of a sudden, good orderly direction. It's like, this is what it is, Pat. It's real simple stuff. It's like, uh, and then when I wound up doing these things, my life just became so much easier. And I realized all that time, the problem was me. Wow. Me and the way I thought. Me and my thinking. So I am, man, you giving me something money can't buy. Money can't buy peace of mind. It can't. Money can't buy the serenity that you all have given me. The friendships that have, and let me tell you something, at 28 years of, I have 30 years of sobriety. Yeah, thank you. It's still 24 hours a day, but at 28 years of sobriety, I lost everything. In the dead, I'm in Chicago. It's a polar, I hate them two words, polar vortex. You know, take those two words together. My house froze, the pipes busted, water went everywhere, my stove went out, everything that could go. It was just, just like the story of Job. I just like it. You know, bed bugs came, just, I, I was at it, I had lost 40 pounds, everything I did, everything I tried to do to maintain, to, and Zoom meetings are going on at the time. And somebody found out what I was going through and they called a person named Steve Nelson and told him. And before I knew it, I heard this voice said, me and my wife talked about it and you're coming here, we're coming to get you. And I was in so much pain. I was so desperate. The only thing, I was so beat up. The only thing I would say was, okay, <laughs> okay. And I left, I left everything I, I i i came with a bird a dog and a laundry bag full of stuff a bird a dog and a laundry bag full of stuff and and i remembered i was i was i felt crazy and i remember as steve and i was driving cross country <laughs> bless his heart he said look there's the st louis and I remember, you know, looking, oh, and, and you know, I, I, I didn't say that, but I didn't want to say, I don't give a fuck about the St. Louis art right now. <laughs> I did say it, but that's where I was at. <laughs> As we drove west, and I didn't, but the name of the game, everybody's, I didn't drink. And I stayed with them for about eight to ten months. 
and I now I have my own place, got a job. God has rest- everything I lost has been restored. Everything, everything. And who does this? Who does that kind of stuff? Alcoholics, recovering alcoholics. That's who does this. And because of you, you make me give back. I, you, I love you. And there ain't nothing you could do about it. I keep coming back. That's it. Wow. Um, Let's thank Pat and Steve one more time. And then uh, Brandon will come up and do the grapevine. Thank you. Brandon Alcoholic, I am your stand-in grapevine rep. Uh, What we do is we we pass these out. Somebody in the meeting likes to say if you get stuck on stupid, they're good to read. Um, this one I have here is called Young and Sober. Would anybody like to uh, take it home and read it? Or you can hand it out. Take it, yeah. Thank you. Okay, and then Nick and Tina with the tickets. Wait, while we're waiting, can we just give a hand one more time? That was really awesome. Don't forget, we need help cleaning up. Pat scared the newcomers with that last line. (laughs) Got a couple books, guys. Uh, A couple Al-Anon. Our great responsibility and a big book for the taking. With each one of the books, we'll be giving away a bookmarker, okay? Thank you so much for supporting our raffle each week. Pick one. Okay. The last four numbers, 7502. 7502. <laughs> Any takers? Is it Jerry? Seven five zero two. Yeah. There we go, Jerry. Yeah. Jerry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> wrong, wrong show. Wrong show. <laughs> yes. You gotta read it. Yeah. Which one would you like, Jerry? I want to donate the the, the new one. Or I'm all from the, the, the big one. Any any newcomers? Somebody with thirty days or less want to come and get a big book? Someone need a big book? 30 days or less. Where'd they go? I know there was someone. Come on, somebody there needs a big book. Okay, let's try another one. (laughs) (laughs) There's a history book. Oh, here's a history book. Oh, I don't think that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Oh, you want the big book? Okay, let's give it a big book. Here, here, here. Let me get this back. No, no, go ahead. 
Yeah, don't worry. We got a simple book. Wait, who's going to your house? Okay, 7413. 7413. 7413. Yay! Sure. Which one would you like? Um, Can you believe Ravel at all? All right. Yeah. That's an Alan on book. Good. Thank you. Thank you. If anybody has any books or anything they want to donate to the group, we would gladly raffle it. So, one more. One more. One more. We're going to give away a came to believe. That's people's experience. With how they came to believe. Okay, 7458. 7458. Is it Raul? 7458. Oh, right on. Very cool. That's all right. Nobody's going to fight you for it. Thank you. Thank you for letting us be of service. Thank you, guys. And don't forget to take um, your dish if you brought a dish, and then um, we'll help Fernando clean up. Thank you so much for Greatly being here. Greatly appreciate everyone here. that helps with the cleanup. Thank you guys for letting me up there. All right, and I have asked Kayla to come and read the promises and pray us out.